amen and amen. I preached in the, go ahead ushers, I preached in the 9 a.m. service and Pastor Steve is preaching in the 11 a.m. service today. So why don't you guys give Pastor Steve a big warm welcome today as he takes the stage. Thanks so much. You're very uh, kind and, and generous, and you, and you haven't even heard the message yet. So you're clapping by faith. <laughs> I know that. Praise the Lord. Uh, a privilege to, to speak to you today. Uh, like Pastor Luke, uh, our messages are tailored today to the men specifically. However, God takes those messages and He can speak to women, children, he just does things, supernatural things, to words, right? And so my message today is entitled, A Kingdom Man. You should have notes in your bulletin. A Kingdom Man. It's taken out of Ezekiel chapter 22 and verse 30. It says, So I sought for a man among them who would make a wall and stand in the gap before me on behalf of the land, that I should not destroy it. And here is a terrible indictment on the nation of Israel. But I found no one. But I found no one. God was looking for a man, but he couldn't find one. Because of that, because we didn't have, Israel didn't have spiritual men that would uplift and guide the nation toward the Lord. The nation was crumbling. Immorality was reigning. The culture was an abomination in God's eyes. And God was about to judge the nation of Israel. The Scriptures before and leading up to this indictment where God could not find a man, talk about the condition of the nation. You can find that in Ezekiel 22, uh, all the way, and also 21, in uh, Ezekiel 21. I'm not going to read those for, for the time's sake, but their references are there in your notes. God was going to use Babylon as a sword of judgment. Israel was guilty. They were guilty of murder. They were a bloody nation. They were guilty of idolatry. They were putting things before the Lord. Israel was guilty of harlotry. You know what that is? That's having other lovers instead of God. Even the priests and the prophets of the Lord were in terrible sin. And this is it kind of, the anointing falls on the head and it goes down on the garment. And you know how that works? Well, it works in bad situations too. In bad, when there's sin, you know, the Bible says that a man's sin can be passed to the third and fourth generation. It gets passed down. This was the condition of the nation. The priests and the prophets were in terrible sin. They were murderers. They neglected their duties. They dishonored parents. They bribed foreigners and extorted money from the people. Even Jesus, when he went to the temple, they're, they're exchanging money and trying to make a profit. They were ripping off the people, and Jesus was very indignant, may I say. 
He had righteous anger. And he, what did he do? He turned everything over. He, he indicted them and said, you've made my father's house a den of thieves. Jesus was not happy. These leaders were committing adultery and even incest. They ignored the Sabbath. That's just a short list. The nation of Israel is about to collapse through their immorality. I tell you, any nation will collapse if their immorality is not addressed and changed. Our present culture hmm, looks much like that of Israel in the 6th century B.C. You remember the story of Abraham and the Lord came down. There were three angels that came down to speak to Abraham. This was after Lot, Abraham's nephew, had decided that they had to split because they had too many cattle, too, you know, and they couldn't live in the same land. The land would not support all the cattle and all the people. So Abraham, being the gentleman that he was, he says, Lot, take a look around. They're up on a mountain and they got a great view. You take what you want and I'll take what's left. And Lot, humanly speaking, we're thinking that he was no dummy. He sees the green pastures, the well-watered land. Oh, it looked great. This is going to be great for my herds, for my flocks, for my people. And so he chose the land of Sodom and Gomorrah to go live in it. And Abraham took the more desert land. It didn't look to the natural eye like the right place to go. But let me tell you, the supernatural trumps the natural. Amen? So Sodom was a, an evil culture. Sodom and Gomorrah, you know. I don't have to describe it for you. The culture decayed in the absence of the righteous. And God did an amazing thing. He says, uh, you know, I got to kind of bring Abraham up to snuff on these things. So I'm going to go down and talk to him. So the other angels went down towards Sodom and the Lord Jesus himself, this was a pre-incarnate visit of Jesus Christ. He pulls Abraham aside. Thanks for the meal, Abraham. It was tasty. Sarah's a great cook. And I think it went something like this. And, uh, hey, uh, I'm going to destroy, by the way, Sodom and Gomorrah because they're t totally evil. They're practicing evil 24-7. And Abraham says, well, he knew Lot was down there, right? His nephew, he loved his nephew. Lord, uh, you know, you're a just God. You would not destroy the land if there were 50 righteous people there, would you? And the Lord says, no, I won't destroy it for 50 righteous people. Now these towns probably had, we don't know, the Bible doesn't tell us, but I'm thinking about 50 to 100,000 people were living down there. So it wasn't a little, little hamlet. It wasn't a little tiny town. It wasn't a great big metropolis, but there were a number of people there. They couldn't find... 50 righteous. What about 40? And down the line, Abraham goes. He gets to 10. And the Lord says, I won't destroy it for 10. But what happened? There weren't 10. And Lord, the Lord destroyed with fire and brimstone 
after the angels went and delivered Lot and his family, the Lord destroyed those places. The Lord is ready to judge. He's going to judge again. And we need to be ready. Amen? We need to be ready. And God's looking for a man. He's looking for a man. He's looking for a kingdom man. What is a kingdom man? Well, Tony Evans wrote a book about kingdom man. And he's going to tell us a little something about it right now. We're in a manhood crisis today. There are a lot of males, but God is looking for a man. We are needing today kingdom men. What's a kingdom man? Kingdom man is a male who consistently lives under the rule of God over his life. It is a man who says that I am here to do the will of God. I live for another king and I operate under the guidance of another kingdom. A kingdom man accepts responsibility under God. He can answer the question that was asked of Adam. Adam, where are you? Or as as I like to say, Adam, where you at? God says he's looking for a man. He had plenty of males, but he couldn't find a man. So this goes beyond just how you are identified biologically. It goes down to how you're functioning spiritually. And because of the absence of biblical manhood, of kingdom men, families are falling apart. Churches don't have enough support systems. And the culture is in crisis. In fact, in Ezekiel 22, verse 30, when God says he's looking for a man, the verses around it explain how the society was falling apart and God needed a man to stand in the gap so that the culture wouldn't fully collapse. Why? Because the kingdom man is a foundation upon which everything else is contingent. And when a male refuses to become a man, as God defines a man, coming under his kingdom rule, then the foundation cracks. And when the foundation is cracked enough, the whole house collapses. Looking for a kingdom man, can God find you? That's my question too. God's looking for kingdom men. Can he find you as a kingdom man? The absence of kingdom men leads to deterioration of society. Worldly men produce worldly families, resulting in weak, ineffective churches, which fosters broken communities, then states, nations, and ultimately the world. But God is in the redemption business. That's the good news. God's in the redemption business. Throughout the Bible, you'll see the redemption story played out. And God uses kingdom men to build strong families. This is how God does it. And we need to get it. We need to get it. This is how God does it. Could God snap his fingers and say, whoop, everybody's a kingdom man? Yes, he could. But we got to cooperate with God. He wants our cooperation. He's building us into kingdom men. It is a condition of our wills, gentlemen. What is a kingdom man? It's not just a male, like Tony Evans said. A kingdom man, among other things, is mission-minded, 
He's a mission-minded man. He's a renewed man. And he is a transformed man. Those three things I want to talk about today. Mission-minded man, renewed man, transformed man. So are you a mission-minded man? Back in the 60s and early 70s, when I was uh, uh, younger... That was a long time ago. Do you remember Mission Impossible? They've made movies since on it. It was a great show, Mission Impossible. And Peter Graves was, uh, his name was Jim. I don't remember his last name now, but it, it opened up with the song and a fuse. It's burning, you know, it's fuse, like something's going to blow up. Like they said the tape, remember uh, tape recorders? Yeah, they were, they were like, that was how it was. They didn't have CDs and, well, those are passe now too, aren't they? They didn't have MP3s. They didn't have any of that stuff back. Tape recorder, you know. And he'd open up the briefcase, and the, the, the voice on the tape recorder would say, your mission, Jim, should you choose to accept it? Should you choose to accept it? That implies that the agent could have refused to accept it. But what have, would have happened if... Jim decided that, no, I don't want to do this, this mission. Bad things would have happened. Bad things would have happened. Your mission, should you choose to accept it, men, it's lined, uh, lined out in the Bible really, really clearly. And God wants you, God wants a man to work out his plans. God equips men to complete his assignments in Ephesians chapter 4, it, it tells us these things, that God is going to equip us. He gave some to be, these are gifts from Jesus Christ. He gave some to be uh, apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers, right? For the equipping of the saints, to do the work of ministry, to edify the church, This is, God is equipping us. If he sends you on a mission, he will equip you to do the mission. We receive that by faith. We receive it by faith. And it's not just blind faith. It states it right here in the Bible. He will. God did already. Did you know that Pastor Luke, Pastor Tim, Pastor Rhonda, Pastor Evan, and even me, we're gifts to you. I'll tell you what, you know, I'm not bragging, okay? I'm not bragging because there's a lot of responsibility that comes. You know, we're going to be judged more stricter. Is that a word? We're going to to have stricter judgment, more stricter, most strictest. (laughs) Yeah. So, no, but this is what, this is our assignment. We each have different assignments, but we all have an assignment to win souls, Right? We all have that assignment. And so a mission-minded man is passionate about bringing people to Jesus. That's a quality of a kingdom man. Do you have passion when you go out and you're doing your business, at the gas station, having lunch, in Home Depot, wherever, in the neighborhood? Hey, Frank. You got a nice looking lawn there. 
Want to know about my best friend? His name's Jesus. Do you you have a passion to tell people about the Lord? Well, if you're a kingdom man, you'll have a passion to tell people about Jesus. A mission-minded man knows his actions have eternal consequences. You know, if you don't tell Frank, I mean, you can tell him his grass looks nice. You've got to have an inroads, right? Hey, your grass, man, how do you get that grass so green, Frank? Come on, tell me, what's your secret? And get to know Frank, and then, you know, introduce him to your best friend. This is a mission. It's a mission, and God equips us to do the mission. Jesus came and spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Jesus has authority, and he's with us. We walk, and we minister, and we witness within the authority of Jesus Christ. You have God's authority to do this. He's equipped you to do it. Are you passionate about it? I hope you're passionate about winning souls because we get rewards. We get rewards. We don't do it just because we get rewards. We do it because God asks us to do it. Amen? All right, mission-minded man. Are you a renewed man? In Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2, very very, uh, well-known passage. This is out of the English Standard Version. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, the way the world works outside of God, the Ecclesiastes world. You know, the book of Ecclesiastes where there's, it's vanity, vanity, there's no new thing under the sun, and he's talking about the world without God. They go about their business with no thought of God. None whatsoever. I find myself doing that every now and then. It's a trap. It's a trap. Do not be conformed to that world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. A renewed man has a change of mind that comes from his heart. You know, you can't be renewed just simply by knowledge. You know, that's, that's a worldly thought. If we just educate everybody, we're going to be a better society. It's just all through education. The Bible says that knowledge puffs up. It just puffs you up. It just gives you pride. Now, if we use the knowledge, there's nothing wrong with learning and education. I'm not saying that. But when we puff ourselves up, oh, I've got a doctorate. Yeah, well, what are you using it for? What are you using it for, really? It's not just head knowledge. It's more than just knowing the Scriptures. Of course, knowing the Scriptures is noble. And it's great because in the Scriptures, we have Jesus Christ. And we get to know God. It describes who God is. And it's a supernatural, it's living Word. It's alive. And when we read, He speaks to us through it. It's just a living Word and it's good. 
to study the Word. But renewal doesn't just come by knowing the Scriptures. I counseled one time this, this uh, man who was, uh, he was very worldly and didn't even know, he denounced Christianity. But he was a very educated man. And uh, I could not, I couldn't crack, crack him because he knew too much. He knew too much. And in his natural, you know, scientific, analytical way, he just could not believe in the supernatural, in the divine. That there's another world out there. There's another realm out there that we can't see. To him, it's all empirical. You got to see it to believe it. But faith is not like that. Faith is you believe it and then you'll see it. Amen? Hey, the Word of God and God Himself, His kingdom, it sometimes seems backwards. And it is. But it's the right way. It's the right way. The mindset. You have a renewed mindset. That's what this means. It's a work of the Holy Spirit. So you can do all you want to do in your doing, and you won't have a renewed mind. But when the Holy Spirit gets involved, He will renew your mind. Ephesians uh, chapter 4 and verse 23, it says, be renewed in the spirit of your minds. Be renewed in the spirit of your minds. It means mindset. Mindset. A mindset doesn't just have a view. It has a viewpoint. You see it on Facebook all the time. (laughs) And some of those viewpoints, I go, huh? Scratch my head. Okay. Okay. I'm not going to judge, right? Usually, those, when I see too much of it, I I love the little button that says, uh, unfollow. Unfollow. I use that quite often. So, so they don't know that. It, you don't know if I've unfollowed you, Pastor Luke. I, <laughs> I haven't unfollowed Pastor Luke. But the, they don't know. But if you, un, if you unfriend somebody, then they get all offended. You know? So you got the unfollow button. So you won't see their nonsensical posts, if I can put it that way. They have a different viewpoint than I do many times. It doesn't just have the power to perceive the mindset doesn't have just the, merely the power to perceive and detect. It also has a posture, a demeanor, a bearing, an attitude, and a bent. Does everybody know what a bent is? I'm not talking about that grass that it's really uh, fine in, the, in this part of the country. They putting greens on a golf course, creeping bent. Do you know what a bent is? Do you know that each one of us has a particular bent? It means, you know what, the, the Word of God is the plumb line, right? I was a pipe fitter, so I know about plumb, plumb lines. We use them all the time. And the plumb line never lies unless an outside force is acting on it. So you're up there 30 feet in the air, and, uh, you know, you can't measure. Although I did, I did work with a journeyman when I was an apprentice, and his plumb line, he didn't feel like taking the plumb line up there, and so he would spit. And, the, and I'd watch the spit go to the ground, and it's doing this because there's air currents, you know. And, uh, oh, yeah, that's, that's pretty scientific. Do it that way. Yeah. And so the plumb line, you drop the plumb, it's got a weight on it, and it's got a string. 
And that weight, now it'll waver instead of when you first drop it, but when it settles, it's going to be perfectly, what we say, plumb. Perfectly straight. That is the Word of God. It's perfectly straight. There's no bent to it. But we're bent because we don't line up with the plumb line. And each one of us has a particular bent. Some of you are really bent out of shape. (laughs) This is where renewal comes in, all right? <laughs> there's, there's hope. It's okay, okay? All of us, me included, we're bent a certain way. You know, when you have babies, you know, the, the one, the first child is different than the second, is different than the third. They're all different. They all got their bent. Some of them will be potty trained. Some of them refuse to be potty trained. You know, moms and dads. <laughs> So have a renewed mindset. It's the opposite of having a debased mind. Uh, Romans 1, verse 28, this is a, this is a terrible, uh, it's the truth, but it's, it's what God sees down here in the world. Even as they, the worldly, even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, God gave them over to a debased mind. To do those things which are not fitting. And if you read the verses around Romans 1.28, there's a lot of sexual sin. Basically, there's uh, just denouncing God, and I'm doing it the Frank Sinatra way. I'm going to do it my way. Regardless of what you say, regardless of everything, I'm going to do it my way. Well, you can be sincere about doing it your way, and you can be on that road that Pastor Luke mentioned the road that leads to death, the way that leads to death. You can be sincerely wrong, right? So it helps to be humble, know that you're bent a certain way, and let the Holy Spirit renew your mind. That's what this is about. Have a renewed mind. In our fallen nature, in our fallen mindset, we are bent on worshiping self instead of God. Now, we all got that bent, and God has to work that out of us. You know, when you go into the military, what is the, any, who, who's been in the military here? Thank you very much, all of you. God bless you. Yes, amen. I think I'll see your head shaking when, when I, the first thing they do is they want your will. They want the, the sergeant do you, that is over you He is going to do everything possible to break your will. You know, God's kind of like that. (laughs) He'll do everything possible to break your will, but it's all good. Because guess what? If you're out there under enemy fire, and the sergeant says, go this way, and you go that way, you're going to be very dead, and probably... Many of your comrades will be very... Did I say comrades? Oh, uh, let me strike that. Uh, Companions, fellow (laughs) soldiers. (laughs) I'm not a communist. (laughs) It's in the news. I I can't get the news out of me. (laughs) In our fallen nature, we're bent on worshiping self instead of God, you know? We're not worth, you may think you're worth worship, but I'm going to break your bubble. You're not. 
Only God is worth worshiping, right? Amen? Renewal comes through the Holy Spirit, Titus 3.5, not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to His mercy, He saved us. So we can't boast, right? It's all from God. We didn't do anything to deserve our salvation. Through the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Spirit. It brings us to salvation. You had to have a renewed mind to come to salvation. It was the Holy Spirit that renewed your mind. That convinced you that, hey, the road I'm on is the wrong road. I'm going to die if I don't change directions. I'm going the wrong way. I got to get on the right path. Amen? Get on the right path. And if you're a renewed man, you will be a transformed man. It's also the work of the Spirit. And I I just want to focus on this here for the the last part of, of the message. 2 Corinthians 3, 16 and 18. It's in your notes. Nevertheless, when one turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. But we all with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory. Just as by, who? The Spirit of the Lord. Keep that in your your mind, okay? Keep that in your mind, because I'm going to come back to this. I was blind, but now I see. We We sing the song, Amazing Grace, right? I was blind, but now I see. Because we have an enemy that delights in blinding people. He will blind you to the truth. He will blind you for his benefit. He does not want you to have a renewed mind. I was blind, but now I see. What do I see? I see the glory of the Lord. And it's the glory of the Lord that brings transformation. In Matthew chapter 16, I'm I'm not going to uh, read that, but uh, just let me paraphrase a little bit. So, uh, Peter, James, and John. Jesus takes them up to uh, the Mount. Well, actually, that's in seventeen, in, in uh, chapter seventeen. So, before this, Jesus is asking Peter, James, and John, and, this, and all the disciples. He says, uh, eh, "You know, what do, who do people say I am?" And uh, oh, some say you're Elijah, John the Baptist. Jeremiah, one of the prophets, and, uh, and, and Jesus says, uh, well, who do you, the disciples, who do you say I am? And Peter, you know, God bless Peter, he's, he, he's awesome, he's an awesome person in the Bible. I mean, you know, the Bible just presents Peter all his, all the good stuff and all the not so good stuff, right? It's, it's truth, it's truth. And here's Peter, and he has... An unveiling, an apocalypsis, that's the Greek word. It's an apocalypsis, it's an apocalypse, that's how we translate it. Everybody thinks apocalypse is some great big huge grand blow up, uh, you know, end time thing. You know what apocalypse means? It means revelation. The last book of the Bible, it's apocalypsis of John. So the revelation given to John. Well, Peter has a revelation. And he says, you're the Christ. You're the Messiah. You're the one we've been waiting for. You're the son of the living God. And Jesus commends Peter. He says, that's right. 
And you're a blessed man, Simon. He called him by his given name. Simon, son of John, or Barjona. <laughs> Simon Barjona, son of John. Because flesh and blood has not revealed that to you, but my Father who is in heaven. He had an unveiling. He received what we call a rhema word. A rhema word. God spoke to him and said, My son, worship him. He is God. He is Messiah. He's the one you've been looking for. An unveiling took place to Peter at that moment. And it was awesome. It was awesome that what he saw. And then it wasn't long after this. Six days later, they went. Jesus took Peter, James, and John up to the mountain. And Jesus was transformed. The Bible says transfigured. It's the same exact word as the word in Romans chapter 12, verse 2. Transformed. Metamorpho. Metamorpho. That's, I mean, you've, you've ever heard a word that, an English word that sounds like that? Metamorphosis, right? Metamorphosis. It's like a, a, a caterpillar crawls along on the trees, on the leaves, eats, eats all that stuff. You may, may have had one on your uh, tomatoes or something, and you know you don't like them. But they, they're fuzzy, they're cute, and all that. And then they spin a cocoon, and they're in there for a while, and then they're transformed. They're transfigured, and they, out comes a butterfly. It's an amazing thing of nature that God created. Transformed. You know what? Uh, water, H2O, right? Hydrogen, two, two atoms of hydrogen and one of oxygen, and it makes water, H2O. Well, water changes form, especially in Michigan, you know? <laughs> Uh, the other day I came here and uh, I got out of the truck to go throw some stuff that was in the pole barn into the dumpster and I didn't see it but there was ice underneath a little bit of snow and guess what? I biffed really good. <laughs> Cut my leg, ripped my shoulder up. I mean, it was bad. It was bad. But, but God's with me still, you know. <laughs> I'm clumsy. Nobody saw it. I'm looking around first thing. Did anybody see me? Gosh, how embarrassing. <laughs> He's with us. He's with us. God's with us. Oh, my gosh. I lost my, I've lost my train of thought even with my fall. I'm, I'm all consumed with myself. <laughs> they went up. They went uh, Water. Water. That was it. Water. It, it metamorphoses into ice when it gets cold. Okay, it changes states. It changes from a liquid to a solid. And then it can be liquid and change to a gas. We call it steam, right? It's a change of state. It's a metamorphosis. And that's what happened with Jesus. And who was blessed at the mount? Was Andrew? Was Matthew? Who was it? There were three. I already told you. I gave you the answer. I hope you were listening. Peter, James, and John, right? They were there. I'm so glad that Pastor Luke closed his message this morning. They were there. And that's how they got blessed. And we want to challenge the men. We got something coming up this weekend that if you want to be blessed, you need to be there. 
You need to be there. I'm telling you, your wife is probably elbowing you right now. You need to be there. You need. You really do, man. You got a bent. You need your mind renewed. You need to be transformed. We're all being renewed day by day. We need to be transformed day by day. We haven't arrived yet, men. And women, just to make sure you don't get too snooty here, you haven't arrived either, okay? (laughs) The men will come home and preach to you. (laughs) No, seriously, what does God want us to do, men? He wants us to turn to Jesus. Remember? I told you to remember it. In Second Corinthians, or First Corinthians, or no, Second Corinthians 3, right? Second Corinthians 3. Nevertheless, when one turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. You got to turn. You got to turn to the Lord. I mean, we got to do this all the time. Turn to the Lord. I don't have eyes in the back of my head. But the Lord is behind me. I'm going to turn. I'm going to turn. There's the cross. Oh, when you turn to the cross, transformation takes place. Renewal takes place. I beseech you, brethren, turn to Jesus. No matter where you're at, no matter if you're totally obedient, totally surrendered, which I doubt there are very many in here that that describes. But if you turn to Jesus, the unveiling will take place and God's going to show you things. He's going to show you things, men and ladies. Open your eyes and behold the glory of the Lord. Peter, James, and John, they were blessed. Jesus even said, Peter, you're blessed because he was there with Jesus. We need to be there. You need to feed your spirit. Worship God. This is how we feed our spirit. We worship God. What does that mean? It doesn't mean just singing songs, does it? It's a lifestyle. And God, what it means is worth-ship. Worth. I'm trying to make a sound. I don't know if you can. Worth-ship. God is worth our worship. That's what worship is. No matter when Pastor Luke was saying, hey, your circumstances may be bad. Your circumstances could be dire. But that doesn't change the worth of God. God is always worth our worship. You read your Bible. Knowledge is good. Don't let it puff you up. We need to pray. And we need to pray often. I hope you pray for your country. We got an election coming up. I hope you're praying for that God will give us leaders that honor Him and worship Him. You need to faithfully attend church. When you attend church, God pours out blessings. We experience the presence of the, God, of the Lord. In Ezekiel, what happened in Ezekiel? The Lord got so disgusted with the practices of Israel, He withdrew His presence from the temple. He withdrew his presence from the people. And Babylon came in like a sword and carried him away into captivity. We don't want that. Faithfully attend church. You know, years ago, faithfully was Wednesday night and Sunday. Nowadays, in America, faithful attendance to church is, oh, I go 
once a month. I go twice a month. Well, I'm not going to condemn you for that. But I'm going to say this. You're missing out on the blessings. You're missing out on the blessings of corporate worship. You're missing out of all the presence of God that comes into this place and floods our hearts and transforms us and changes us. And we open our eyes and we see the glory of the Lord. That's how we're renewed. That's how we're transformed. And if you're out on the golf course, I guarantee you, you're looking for a lost ball and you're not in the presence of God. So, attend church. I'm getting a little excited. In Psalm 128, verse 5, it says, I will bless you out of Zion. Well, the New Testament church is the Old Testament Zion. It's the temple of the Lord. It's where the Lord's presence is. You need to be in the presence of God. We all need to be in the presence of God. Be there. Be there. Surround yourself with spiritually minded men. Come to the Man Up Conference. If you're not there, you're not going to experience the blessing. You're not going to get to throw the hatchet. You're not going to be able to climb the rope. You're not going to be able to eat that good food. Most of all, you're not going to be transformed by the ministry of the Word and the presence of God. And that's what we want. We're not preaching just to you to just so we'll have a great attendance. No, we care about you. Your pastor cares about men. Why? Because this nation is deteriorating. We need kingdom men to stand up and fight for the truth. So get your tickets today. They'll be selling them out there in the foyer. You're going to be blessed. In conclusion, God is looking for a man. A kingdom man, mission-minded, renewed, and transformed. He will use kingdom men to turn the world upside down, just like it says in Acts chapter 17. Those people, they were under a lot of persecution, but they went out and they turned the world upside down because it's a whole different way of life. It's a whole different way of life. I hope that you can experience life and life more abundantly by turning to Jesus. Turning to Jesus, having your mind renewed and being transformed this is your mission men are you willing to accept it are you willing to accept it that's the question today you've been given a mission are you willing to accept it let's pray father thank you thank you lord thank you lord for giving us a mission first of all for equipping us to do that mission I pray, Lord, that each and every man, woman, child in hearing range today would turn to Jesus. We want to turn to Jesus. If I can ask you right now, nobody looking around, you want to turn to Jesus? Maybe it's not the first time you need to turn back to Jesus. You've been going the wrong road. You're on the wrong path. You need transformation. I'm just going to pray for you, all right? You lift your hand. I'm going to turn to Jesus. I'm committing to turn to Jesus today. All of you are looking at Jesus. You're all turned toward Jesus, right? Thank you. There's a hand up. How about for the very first time, have you ever given your life to Jesus Christ? You talk about transformation. That's when it happens. So you humble yourself and you say, Lord, I need you. Is there anyone that would have their hand up and say, Pastor Steve, pray for me. Pray for me. I need Jesus. I need him. I'm going to ask him into my heart right now. I won't embarrass you. I'll just have everybody pray with you. 
There's a hand. Yes, thank you. Thank you very much. All right, let's all pray this prayer together. Just say it from your heart like you mean it, and God will save you. Lord Jesus, I need you. Transform me. Save me. I give my life to you. I need you every day. The devil just lost me. And you just wrote my name down in the Lamb's book of life. I will serve you from here on out. In Jesus' name. Amen. All right. For those who prayed that.